0: welcome in it's another edition of the blue ribbon college basketball podcast always great to have you with us alongside my man chris dorch of blue ribbon i'm kevin ingram and uh chris i don't know if you saw the duquesne loyola chicago game but a doordash guy showed up uh, right over there in the, in the right corner i don't know if something like that might happen on our show or not
1: you, you know what it, it could well i I've, I've ordered a some breakfast and uh if if i get interrupted i'm i'm really sorry. I'll, I'll try not to have him I'll, – I'll, I'll turn my volume down. <laughs> <laughs> that was so crazy. The first thing I thought of when I saw that, and, and if anybody didn't see it, the Lola Chicago-Duquesne game, uh, a DoorDash dude uh, apparently carrying McDonald's walked <laughs> onto the floor during the game. And the first thing I thought of was, man, this is fast time at Richmond High. Jeff Spicoli ordering a pizza at Mr. Hand's class. (laughs) And that was the great Ray Walston, who was Mr. Hand, and he was like incredulous. (laughs) And uh, I forgot what Spicoli said exactly, but it's like, I'm hungry, dude. (laughs) And then Mr. Hand proceeded to take it and divvy it up to the whole Mm -hmm. class, and Spicoli didn't get a a, a bite. So I wonder what happened with the DoorDash guy last Mm -hmm. night. That's. That was so crazy. I mean, did he
0: make the delivery or not? Because, he, I mean, the the play is actually on that side of the court. And you see this guy in like a, a yellow jacket come r- come walking down from the baseline along the sideline there. Uh, what, what was the dude thinking? I mean, he was on the court. It wasn't like he was trying to go around from behind, you know, on the sideline and stay out of the way. I mean, he was he was literally in play. Um, I,
1: <laughs> I wonder if he's one of those social media, uh, quote, air quote influencers. Yeah, it might have been something knew what like he was that. Doing,
0: yeah, exactly. And like,
1: I'm going to get uh, like 8 million page views by walking on the court with some some mcdonald's fries
0: and i'm also going <laughs> to get probably some business out of this too for you know people wanting me to deliver their food after we, he becomes sort of this uh, instant yeah
1: it's a great you know, pseudo
0: celebrity yeah. or whatever yeah exactly i would
1: not have the guts to do it but it's it's apparently worked for him
0: yeah i guess if you don't get arrested it it goes pretty well but yeah that happened in <laughs> pittsburgh last night same town where uh, a few I, years- I
1: forgot somebody tweeted me back um uh, they were talking about uh, uh, Keith Danbroth, uh, the Duquesne coach, and they said he used to coach at Akron. And they, they, whoever it was that tweeted it, said that if it would would have been this certain restaurant in in Akron, apparently that Coach Danbrot frequented, he said he would have stopped the game <laughs> <laughs> and taken delivery on the spot. So, uh, yeah, that was nuts. I, I mean. We've had some crazy stuff happen in college hoops this year, but that's right up there.
0: <laughs> Maybe also think of a, a few years back when the uh, the Predators played in the Stanley Cup final in Pittsburgh, and uh, this guy from, from Nashville named Jake, he's notorious for throwing catfish on the ice. That became a thing with the Predators in the playoffs <laughs> over the years. So he shows up at this Preds-Penguins game. It was like the first or second game of, of the uh, final series and he, and he does his thing. He throws a catfish out there, and he got arrested. And, and then it, it just, like, blew up after that. It became sort of this this local celebrity. And they made made T-shirts and all of this. Because, like, on the police report, it, it said uh, it called the catfish that he threw, like, an instrument of crime or something like that. In, and then that became just, like, this catchphrase <laughs> around here. So, yeah. Well, it, was, it does have sharp
1: fins. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, if you've ever you, caught a catfish. You would remember this. It wasn't it at Vandy where somebody threw a tennis ball. Yes, it on, was on the court. Who the big man that it, had it, the mullet it
0: was Dwayne Schensis. Uh, uh, he, he had gotten yeah. in trouble when he played for Florida. This was in the eighties, and he uh, he got in some sort of fight and apparently hit somebody with a tennis racket. Or I, I can't remember the whole story to it. <laughs> but and then they came oh. to Vanderbilt to play, and it was a key game in the conference race. And it got down to a, a key spot toward the end And somebody threw a tennis ball on the court And there are a lot of theories about who threw the tennis ball And I've I've heard <laughs> I won't divulge the name right here But I, I think I know who it was uh, But yeah, that's a I mean, That, that, that hey. is a story of legend Around Nashville and around Vanderbilt yeah. going, going back to the 1980s Yeah,
1: I didn't remember all the details But I remembered it was a tennis ball
0: Yep, that's exactly right uh, Let's talk about a little of what's going on around hoops uh, Of course, the SEC Big 12 Challenge will be coming up this weekend. That'll be the last one of those. Uh, seen some SEC hoops yeah. this week. I know you have, too. Uh, did Vanderbilt's game uh, at Georgia on Saturday. Commodores won that one, and then uh, Kentucky came into Memorial Gym and played really well on Tuesday night and won 69-53. Uh, Double doubles by Oscar Shibwe and, and Jacob Toppin. It's starting to look like Kentucky's turning things around a little bit. There were some interesting results last night. That Alabama-Mississippi State game was probably a whole lot closer than a lot of people expected it to be uh, state had a chance to tie it with a three at the end, and Alabama held on to win 66-63 after they trailed a whole lot of that game. Uh, Tennessee continues to look good. Um, it, it's you know you look at Joe Lenardi's projections; both those teams, Alabama and Tennessee, projected as number ones. And there's you know a lot of basketball Yeah, if the playing. season but ended if today. the season ended today, yeah. that's where that's where they would both be.
1: Yeah, they they would, and th- those two teams are playing at a high level. Uh, Mississippi State really had Alabama on the ropes for a long time, but Alabama's getting stronger. Uh, they're getting injured players back. Namari Burnett is one and the kid from St. Bonaventure is another. He made a couple of threes in the first half uh, last night. But the, the result that was surprising to me uh, in a way it was Texas A&M. Texas A&M was in our preseason uh, top 25, and then they proceeded to have like a, a, a terrible – Non-conference, you know, they started out six and five. They they lost to Murray State. They lost to a quad four Wofford team, and now they've won. Are the well they're seven and one uh, to get off uh, in in the SEC, and they beat Auburn at Auburn, which home court winning streaks are dropping like flies. Uh, Tennessee was up to like twenty six when Kentucky went in there. Then the big shocker. Oil and Marymount goes to the dog pound, in, in Gonzaga Not, they had won seventy something.
0: I think it was 76. in a row. Yep.
1: Yeah, and, and then I think Auburn's was up to like twenty nine, and Texas A and M just went in there and handled them. And man, Buzz Williams just—he's another one of those guys that has some JUCO background, and th- those guys, those guys that started at JUCO, I, you know, I, I don't know why more ad's don't look at guys like that but they just know how to come in and turn programs around i'm talking about chris Beard, chris jan steve forbes all with juco backgrounds mark adams at texas tech they're struggling a little bit this year but last year certainly had a great year so yeah at texas a&m buzz williams i firmly believe that he occupies his own space in his own little galaxy <laughs>
0: yeah he's an interesting cat works isn't he yep that's right he, he's an
1: interesting cat and, and uh But wow, they're, they're playing really well. And they just went into Auburn and just handled that, beat them by 16. And uh, they've got some transfers and some guys with chips on their shoulder. And he seems to, uh, that's what he does, man. He gets guys that are on their second or third time around and convinces them that they need to perform. This is kind of their last chance and, and boy, they get it done.
0: Yeah, Tyrese Radford was awesome in that game against Auburn. He scored 30 points and made 11 of Boots. 12 at the free throw line, and uh, nine
1: and, boards too. Yeah, I think nine he's boards. The best rebounding guard in the country, or something like that. Uh, there, he may be the only Power Conference player under 6'2 to be averaging at least ten and at least five boards. So, uh, Boots is dealing on the glass, and and he. Uh, I'll tell you, Auburn has good guards, but they couldn't they couldn't check him last night.
0: And you're right about that being a great road win. H- having made a lap around the SEC, been to most of them, I, I, that is one of the best home court advantages for anybody that Auburn has in, in that building. The the way it's configured, the no way question. they have the students right on top of the court, and. In addition to that, their teams yep. are really good, which good teams usually make uh, good home court winning streaks. But yeah, that was a really nice win for AM. We're actually going to be there in College Station on, on Saturday night. Vanderbilt plays at A and M, so that'll be a tough one. Their only uh, loss was against Kentucky uh, last Saturday up in Lexington, and, and that was a back and forth game. Uh, you know, went all the way down uh, into the final minutes there.
1: As we speak, they're not they're not in uh, anybody's. Uh, Especially Joe Leonardi's bracket projections,
0: you know, and they were uh, because they of were, that
1: six and five start,
0: right? And they were close last year. I mean, you think about it; they they were right on the verge, and yeah. maybe something goes a different way in the SEC tournament. They and they
1: got all the way to the finals,
0: yeah, yeah, and, and
1: lost to Tennessee. And and I I remember in the handshake line, Rick Barnes told Buzz, "You deserve to be in that tournament," and everybody thought that would be the case, and they were probably the I don't know, I guess the most egregious snub according yeah. to all the pundits last year. And I thought they would play with a chip on their shoulder from get-go, but that 6'5 start, I, I cannot explain that. If you look at how well they're playing right now, it's incredible
0: yeah I was at the game uh, when they played Florida in the SEC tournament that was like on um, you know about the first day and they you know went to overtime and then they won and then they get on this uh, great run and you know like you say they, they almost won the whole deal so you know kind of keep an eye on that, yeah. that Aggies team uh, stepping out of uh, the SEC what is going on with Kansas uh, you just don't see three game losing streaks uh, under Bill Self this is only the fourth time in all the years he's been coached there that that has happened uh, they lost to Baylor 75 69 on Monday and they're playing tough teams but they also got ran out of the building on their home court by TCU which was absolutely stunned me and now they're going to go to Lexington to yep. play Kentucky on Saturday in the ISEC Big 12.
1: Yeah it's crazy I, I I got to researching this a little bit they have not the program has not had a four game losing streak since eighty eight eighty nine, which was their first season under Roy Williams so uh going to Rough with with a surging Kentucky team and also, Kentucky wore them out at fog, at the Fog last year. So going to Rupp right now with Kentucky back on track, as I figured they would be. Cal just had to figure out who to play, I think. Uh, but, yeah, I, some of the theories that I've read is just that they're not quite as experienced as they've been. They've still got great players. Obviously, Jalen Wilson is, is uh, leading the Big 12 in scoring, he's second in rebounding but they don't really have a big guy to play through, which is what some of South's better teams have had, including last year when they won it all. They had David McCormick, but guys like Jeff Withey and Thomas Robinson and mm-hmm. Yadoka Azabuki, they don't have a guy like that this year. So, you know, it, it's been a little tougher, and they're relying on on some perimeter shooting more. Grady Dick as a freshman has done a great job, but he's been a little streaky as a three-point shooter. He's averaging 15. And, and shooting forty four percent, I don't know if you can call that streaky or not. But yeah. there's been times when people have gotten to him. If you, you know, if, if a good power conference team wants to take out a guy, they can do it. So they don't have a big man to kind of clean up messes and and defend the rim and and be a target. So that's probably what it is. And and you know what, they also are in a backbreaker of a league. Uh, in our neck of the woods, the Big Twelve, I think, gets a little short shrift. I think, you know, because all the time we hear about ACC, SEC, and even I get the Big Ten network, so I watch a lot of those games. But I'll tell you what, the, the Big Twelve is is dominant, and really the only team that you can say right now, if the season ended today, probably wouldn't get in the tournament is, Tech, is Texas Tech. So uh, incredible the the job, the, the rebuilding jobs that have been done like a k-state and and i guess west virginia struggling a little bit but uh that that is one tough league
0: i'll give you the schedule on the uh, sec big 12 challenge by the way auburn at west virginia alabama at oklahoma iowa state plays at missouri lsu hosts texas tech tcu at mississippi state arkansas plays at baylor Taxes at Tennessee and the uh, the Rick Barnes Bowl that should be a lot of fun. Florida at Kansas State yeah. uh, that that'll be a tough road trip for the Gators. Uh, I keep mentioning Kansas at Kentucky. Ole Miss plays at Oklahoma State. So uh, those are some fun matchups. And th- this will be going away after this season. So this will be the, the last time we yeah. will see the uh, SEC Big Twelve challenge and and uh, different conference matchups yeah. are coming. The the SEC and ACC. Uh, I mentioned Kansas at Kentucky and and just a couple thoughts on Kentucky. I saw them at Memorial Gym on Tuesday. Um, it was one of those games you, you go in if you're Vanderbilt and you're down a couple big guys and you just worry that Oscar Shibway is just going to go crazy like he did against Georgia a couple games back where he had 37 and 24 or whatever it was uh, he had a he had a really good game he was a big factor I mean he had a double double but where, where I thought Kentucky really did a good job and you talk about reconfiguring the lineup they brought Xavier Wheeler in off the bench and um, you know they it started Wallace and Livingston and CJ Frederick and Toppin and, and Shibway um, And it seems like Cal has found something in those lineups and combinations that's working better for him. But the things I noticed about them, they really got out on shooters. That's one of Vanderbilt's main weapons is the three-pointer, and they were able to take away good looks from three-point land. But then also, they really moved the ball well. Like, the ball just didn't stick when Kentucky was on offense. I mean, they just kept it moving. Quick pass, quick pass, quick pass. And then if they had a transition opportunity and they had a chance to, like, rip and run and get it down the court and get a good look, either get to the basket or, you know, hit a trailer, whether it's Frederick or somebody else for a three, I thought they did a good job there. So it seems like, you know, after that slow start in the SEC, they started off 1-3, and three, including just a head-scratching loss against South Carolina at home. Uh, they played a whole lot better since then.
1: Yeah, I, I was talking to Tom Leach a little bit there, your counterpart over there, and, and I've mentioned Antonio Reeves, and that guy, uh, whether he starts or comes off the bench, he's there at the mm-hmm. end, Yep. and I just think he is just wired to score. He, he's just a pure scorer, uh, does it effort, effortlessly, and Tom told me that maybe he didn't play so much early on because he didn't play D the way Cal wanted it, and I guess maybe he is now, or maybe Cal finally decided I need to put some guys that can put that thing in the hole. Yeah. So CJ Frederick, the transfer from Iowa, career forty seven percent three shooter, and Antonio Reeves, who averaged twenty at Illinois State last year, you averaged twenty in a league like the Missouri Valley. You know, that's that's impressive and figures to translate even to a level like the SEC and it has.
0: Yeah, Reeves gave them a big spark off the bench. They brought him in and he was instant offense, uh, hit a couple two-point buckets, made a three and yeah, he just totally gave them a spark and they their their offense kind of got rolling when he came into the game and they had a big run before and after halftime and I I thought they played uh, played really well here in Nashville the other night and uh you, you got to say for Oscar Shibwe, I mean, he's one of the biggest stars in college basketball and national player of the year last year. But you see that guy and just how he interacts with everybody, and with the fans. I, th- I thought a lot of that was really pretty cool to, to kind of see on, on the side, you know, before and after the game. And, you know, taking pictures with fans and all those things. So, uh, you know, in addition to being a, a terrific player, he seems like a guy who uh, kind of understands uh, where he is and, and appreciates all of it.
1: I think he does. And, and he's a, a good example of what, you know, NIL has its critics. I've been one because they kind of trotted it out without any, I don't know, parameters, if you will. Uh, but NIL helped that kid because I don't think he was ready for the NBA. I think he's got to prove that, that he can consistently score from the perimeter. Rebounding translates. There's no question about that. Uh, And can he defend length? Uh, So, well, we couldn't prove that in the time he was at Kentucky, so he got another year because of the NIL deals that he gets. So the kid's going to be fine whether he makes the NBA or not because presumably, and I I hear he's a smart kid, presumably he'll take that, you know, he's making six figures. He'll take some of that and maybe invest it and and be okay if he has to, you know, be a basketball gypsy and play overseas. And not ever make the NBA, but uh, rebounding does translate. And I think this additional year gives scouts to to see what's inside that kid's chest. He's got a big ticker, and and uh, he just has willed this bunch back from after that one and three start. He he kind of said some things he regretted, and later apologized to the team. But I mean, there's no question he's got them motivated and, and out of that funk they were in.
0: Well, this week's guest is a guy who is Mr. ACC. You want to know about the Atlantic Coast Conference, you asked Brett Friedlander, and uh, hopefully we won't have any like hard fouls or flagrant ones or flagrant twos uh, while this interview is going on. Brett, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing okay, but I promise if we do have a flagrant one or two, it, it might not be called. Right. Yeah, you never know how those things are going to go. <laughs> so, so so protect your throat. That's right. And we'll let Chris
1: celebrate. We'll
0: let Dort shoot the free throws if something like this happens.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you'd want that. Brett texted me the other day and said, uh, you remember any particularly hard falls in ACC history? And uh, the the one that immediately popped up was Tyler Hansborough. Remember when he got his nose bloodied mm-hmm. and he shot the Bloody coast? Exactly. And and it, it turns out Brett didn't need my help. He had a good list and all the ones that I'd named he'd already had. Uh, but you were writing a piece on uh, – Leaky Black and took Smith. And I looked at I've looked at that film a bunch, and I don't think Leaky had any malicious intent or anything. He was going for the ball and then his forearm hit Smith's head and then and then it was slammed to the turf. So uh did you end up writing that piece? And 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 I know it took back and he had 17 against Notre Dame. So All's well that ends well, I guess.
2: Yeah, I, the the piece uh, is running actually as we speak, uh, so it's up on 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 our site now at SaturdayRoad.com. dot com, and uh, yeah, I listen. Kevin Keats went on the um, on the ACC's um, coaches conference call on Monday after watching the film and said it was a it was a basketball play. It just it just kind of yeah. happened, and you know the fact that that Terquavion Smith weighs one hundred and sixty five pounds, it's it's easy for <laughs> yeah. him to get smacked around. And, you know, the interesting thing about the Notre Dame game, um, he came back, uh, you know, my, my guess is he hit his funny bone. And sometimes, you know, when you hit it just right, you lose feeling in it for a while, mm-hmm. and of course, you know yep. his neck also kind of probably you know uh, snapped back a little bit. So I mean, he was okay by that night. There was there was video of him out with his friends on Glenwood Road, you know, at some of the night spots <laughs> Saturday night, right after the game, after he was released from the hospital. But but anyway, the first possession of the game, he steals the ball from Dane Goodwin and goes coast to coast. Takes the ball to the rim and gets fouled, gets knocked down to the ground, and everybody held their breath. And he got up, he wow. made the two free throws. And 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 actually in the column that I wrote about it, he you know, he, he his quote was, That's when I knew I was okay. So Yeah.
1: He seemed to be okay. He made eleven of thirteen from the line. I he was two of fourteen from the field, but I mean, just for him to be back, I guess if he was he was clubbing that night, he, yeah. <laughs> that's indication I'm- he was okay.
2: The fact that they were playing Notre but, uh, Dame that day kind of helped because I think they would have won the game without him anyway. Although maybe you yeah. know, Notre Dame shot great that game, so who knows? But but the fact is, it gave him an opportunity to kind of get back into it. They go to Wake Forest on Saturday, and they're going to need him to be at his best.
1: That'll be a good game. Speaking of Notre Dame, Brad, um, I don't think any of us was re- was really surprised, but uh, I, I got an email. As I'm sure any anybody on the U.S. basketball writers got that email from Notre Dame talking about Mike Bray's decision to step down. What do you think about that? Uh, it seems like it was time.
2: It was time, and I've been hearing this since so Christmas time that Mike was really thinking about this. I'm just surprised at the timing. Why, why now? Uh, the fact that they're what 1-8 in the ACC may have something to do with it, and you know, this gives uh, the Notre Dame folks a chance to do the back channels uh, search before anybody else gets into the game. Um, And by the way, I wrote a column saying that I think the perfect fit for this job is Pat Kelsey, but we we can go into that later. But I I like that. I like that. But um, Mike said um, Monday when I when I spoke to him uh, that he had thought very seriously about this on the flight home from San Diego in the NCAA tournament last year. But he felt he owed it to his five fifth-year seniors that were all coming back to finish with them. And so this is something that he's, he's been thinking about. This is not a, a situation where he was pushed out. This is not a situation where he, he you know, they were doing terrible and he said, I got to get out. He's, he's been thinking about this for a while. And listen, he said, every coach has got a shelf life. Some of them last longer than the others. Mike Krzyzewski into his 70s. Uh, Roy Williams into his 70s. But you look at Jay Wright. You know, you look at now Mike Bray. I mean, it's 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 a very, very stressful situation. And Mike is a very laid back kind of guy, you know, a, a happy-go-lucky kind of, you know, free-spirited guy. And he wants to enjoy life. And good for him. Good for him.
0: Our guest is Brett Friedlander. Mr. ACC, uh, just outstanding when it comes to covering that conference for many years. How interesting of a year is it in the ACC? You got some of the usual suspects sort of in the middle of the pack. But Clemson sitting at the top at nine and one. and. Why do you feel like maybe the Tigers aren't getting the love nationally that maybe they should be?
2: <laughs> because of Dabo Swinney, the football program. Uh, <laughs> it's a football <laughs> school, right? I mean, no, seriously. I mean, you, you you don't take Clemson seriously. Number one, because they're the only original member of the ACC. Now we're going on seventy years that has not won an ACC tournament championship. So so there's history. Wow. And again, it's it's. Like I said, they're a football school and and you're just waiting for the bottom to drop out. But it isn't going to happen, especially when Chase Hunter gets back and is healthy. Uh, you know, they've got such a great inside outside mix with P.J. Hall and him. And then you throw in you know, Hunter Tyson. What the heck? What did he? You know, I mean, he's been a nice player his entire career, but now he's in the conversation for ACC player of the year. And if you were going to look crazy. at the beginning of the year for Clemson players who would have been in that conversation, he probably would have been third on the list. So, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I think that's an interesting story. And I think another interesting story is the fact that the three coaches whose seats were the hottest at the start of the season are all well on the way to saving their jobs. Uh, you know, Brad Brownell being one of them, Kevin Keats being yep. the other, and then, uh, and then Jeff Capel. And then last night they had a great win against, uh, against Wake Forest. And, uh, you know, he's used the, port- the transfer portal almost as well as Steve Forbes has. And uh, it couldn't have come at a better time because those guys were in real trouble. And now you have to start thinking about, okay, well, who's the, who's, whose seat is the hottest. And I'm starting with, uh, with Josh Pastner right now.
0: Yeah yeah georgia tech yeah. quick question about pittsburgh yeah. uh i call the games for vanderbilt played them the last couple of seasons played them at pitt last year and then uh, here in nashville this season vanderbilt actually won by one point but it didn't take long to figure out that that team was way better than they were last year they they really fire up the threes and hit 35 percent they put up a whole bunch of them uh blake henson and jamarius burton are combining for 32 points a game yep. what, what kind of job has jeff capel done with that you, you talk about adding players from the portal but how has he made all that work
2: well, first of all, what, what kind of a job has he done? Let's, let's just start at the start here. He loses Dior Johnson. He loses his star recruit before the season ever starts because the kid gets into some legal problems. And then he loses his best returning player, John Hughley, uh, You know, first to an injury, and now he's stepped back You know, for a mental health situation. So you, you, you take that at face value, and it's a great job, period. But yeah. He's done a really nice job and and I and I go back to to uh, to Steve Forbes uh, because he's kind of set the blueprint for the uh, the transfer portal but but Jeff did a really good job of of vetting these kids and he didn't just get kids that that fit on the court he got kids that fit together and you know a lot is made of oh, well you know it's a brand new team and how do you do it and everything but you've got eight weeks during the summer where you can get practices going. And then during the, um, right. you know, the preseason, you've got what, another month worth of practices. And then a lot of these teams, and I don't remember if Pittsburgh did or not, but you know, every four years you can take a, a, a an exhibition trip overseas. Right. And, and that kind of helps bond things too. But uh, you know, listen, I think Jeff did a good job of getting the right people not only from a basketball standpoint, but from a chemistry standpoint. And it's, it's working. And you know what? They're old and you know, it's, it's a new yeah. team, but it's, but it's an old team. And I think that helps because listen, you know, you, it, it's, it's in short supply now, but who wins in, in March, usually teams with veteran guys.
1: Uh, that's absolutely right. Um, is it fair to evaluate John Shire's rookie season, given the injuries and illnesses they've had uh, what do you think about uh, what's going on at Duke?
2: Funny that you should mention that, uh, Chris, because my column on <laughs> yeah. Friday. Let me guess, is you al- wrote another
1: column. <laughs> my column
2: on Friday that is already written and it's going to be posted on Friday is a 20-game comparison of the first 20 games of Mike Shashevsky's career at Duke and the first 20 games with John Shires, and they are incredibly similar. And the wow. difference is the expectations. Uh, you know, he, uh, Krzyzewski took over a team that had Gene Banks, but really was kind of almost in a rebuild situation after they lost a bunch of guys. Um, Krzyzewski, I mean, uh, uh, Shire is not. Shire has a a, has a team full of guys and an expectation that they were supposed to be a Final Four team. And yes, the injuries have definitely uh, hurt. Uh, Whitehead and Lively missed almost all of preseason camp. And for freshmen, that just puts them behind. And I think that they were just starting to kind of catch up now, and then Whitehead goes down, so uh, that is an issue. Uh, a- another issue is that this team is not a really well constructed team. Uh, you know, they've got a lot of big guys. They play uh, they they play like banshees on defense, which, by the way, is another thing that that Kay's teams did. Um, but they are really limited offensively, especially from the perimeter, and and that's the shame of Whitehead going down. Proctor has started to show that he can put the ball in the basket. Um, Jeremy Roach is okay, but you don't want him to be your first option from the perimeter. And, you know, but Whitehead was the guy that I think had the most potential to be that guy. And now who knows how long he's going to be out. But listen, this is an NCAA tournament team. It's a team that is very capable of getting to the second week of the NCAA tournament because they play with so much grit and they defend so well and they're big. And, you know, I think their best offensive, their best offensive set is somebody taking a three and then Filipowski or lively or Mitchell or one of those (laughs) guys going and getting it off the boards and scoring on the, on, on the offensive glass. Uh, But it's, it's not, it's not John Shire's fault. This, I mean, listen, it's, this is just one of those things and he's learning on the job as well. I mean, he's made some mistakes. I mean, and (laughs) Let's let's be honest. There are some calls that would not have gone the way they have been going this year if Mike Shishovsky had been on the bench. Do you think that? Do you think that? You know, the celebratory elbow to the to the to the Adam's apple of of Kyle Filipowski would have been uh, uncalled had you know the goat been on the on the bench.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: We talked about Terquavion Smith to, to start our interview here, and we'll, let's finish right there too. I, I saw where you retweeted a stat from Synergy showing that Smith has the longest average distance on his three pointers of any player in the country at 26 feet. In some ways, is that sort of the, the Steph, crazy? That is crazy. In some ways, is that sort of the Steph Curry effect on basketball, as I like to call it oh, where, where, where guys just now put it up from just about everywhere.
2: Yeah, I mean he he's got probably more logo jumpers than anybody in the league. It's uh, it's really crazy. <laughs> but you know the thing about it is Kevin Keats doesn't want to put a leash on him because he makes a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, and 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 the thing about it is unlike last year where he took a lot of shots just to take shots, he's taking them in rhythm now. He's taking them in in, in the context of the offense, and the reason for that is Jarquel Joiner. Uh, you know, you talk about Terquavion Smith and how great he's been. And DJ um, um, Burns. Uh, Burns has been a, a, a revelation. And he's a real fan favorite. And, and the guy, I, I've, I've never seen a guy that big move that, 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 that swiftly and, and have that soft of a touch with his left hand. But, but Jarkel Joyner is the, is the difference maker on that team. Uh, you know, He scores. But he also makes sure the ball gets to guys where it needs to get to, and Turquavian is one of them. And he doesn't, you know, he doesn't dribble the ball as much. He's not hunting his own shots. And I think one of the reasons he's shooting better and he's shooting from all angles is because, you know, he doesn't have to create his own shot anymore.
0: He's Brett Friedlander, Mister ACC. Always great to have him with us. Uh, thanks so much for the time. We'll catch up with you down the road.
2: Anytime, guys. Always a thanks, buddy.
0: Chris uh, a couple of shout outs here. I want to give one to the uh, the Georgetown Hoyas. They finally have a big East win. Uh, their first <laughs> since 2021 in the conference tournament final against Creighton. It's hard to believe, wow. especially if you're around like in the 80s when Georgetown was just a, an absolute power and they have been since then. I mean they uh when JT3 yeah. was coached, they had a lot of good teams there and uh, with tournament pretty much every year and had success but they beat to paul 81 76 to end a 29 game big east losing streak they lost all 19 of their conference games last season when they went six and 25 and had a 21 game losing streak so uh congrats to, to pat ewing and georgetown i you know you don't know what his future is going to be like as coach there but uh I, I don't know i guess i have a a soft spot i hate to see anybody go winless in conference play so they, they finally got him one in the big east
1: they did. They did. Not only had they had that long losing streak um, in in Big East play, but they'd lost ten in a row this year. And I, I just don't see how Patrick survives. It, it, it's a shame, but I, I don't know. I just don't know. It's it's tough to to come into a power conference and not have any prior head coaching experience. And he's reconfigured his staff, and he's taken transfers and lost transfers, and it's just a. I'll tell you, unless you're an experienced guy that's been around the block, like a Mick Cronin, a Rick Barnes, somebody like that, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot to keep up with. The portal, the NIL have just added to it, and it was already a tough gig. So I wish the best for him, but I can't see how he survives. And it'd be hard. They're sitting here at six and 15, one and nine in the league. So I don't know
0: uh congratulations to uh friends of ours and uh and guys we know well jerry stackhouse the vanderbilt coach and rick barnes the tennessee coach both were named this week to the north carolina sports hall of fame a class that also includes uh, such names as curtis strange and, and some other well-known people so uh congratulations to uh, our coaches here in the state of tennessee stackhouse and barnes and uh they'll be inducted into that sports hall of fame coming up in april over in raleigh so that, that's a really nice honor for those guys and i thought it was kind of neat that they were both part of the same class
1: it was really cool um uh... And I texted him, and I said, wow, that's a great class. And uh, I, I I said, I mentioned off the top of my head, I couldn't help but notice golf. And Curtis Strange, who, play, of course, played at Wake Forest, was an All-American. And Tom Fazio,
2: mm-hmm. the
1: great golf course designer, uh, he built a course near me called The Farm over in Dalton, Georgia. But he's got tons of courses all over the place uh, that are in the – top hundred lists. So he's one of the greatest all-time golf course designers. And I think Rick would appreciate that and stack both. I I know they both play golf, yeah. but uh, it's great because uh, Rick coached against stack when he was at North Carolina and they've kind of kept in touch. And of all the coaches around the sec, uh, Rick is to me, the most praiseworthy of what stack does as a head coach, uh, the stuff, the stuff he runs and what he gets out of his players. So, it's cool that they're in that together. It's no small accomplishment to get in your state's Hall of Fame, that's for sure.
0: I ran into a couple of friends of the show this week, uh, both Dane Bradshaw and Tom Leach. Uh, were here on Tuesday when uh, Vanderbilt hosted Kentucky. and. Uh, they both had nice things to say about our podcast, and, and Tom even gave us a shout out uh, when I was on his show in Lexington the other day. So I, we uh, certainly appreciated that. And you know, Dane asked if he could get extra time next time he comes on the podcast. It's like, dude, we got all the time in the world. We, we, <laughs> we can accommodate you there. But uh, really, like both those guys, uh, they're always very kind yeah, and gracious to join dudes, us, Man, yeah.
1: and, and I, I'll tell you what, Dane Bradshaw, uh, I've I've known him longer than Tom, but but Tom Tom's great. Dane Bradshaw is is one of the best of all time Uh, as a person, uh, as a, as a player, uh, a selfless uh, glue guy player. And then just, uh, you know, I think he's really developed his game as an announcer. I, I told him once uh, when he was getting ready to graduate, I said, you're either going to be a champion of industry or you're going to be a successful coach. I seem to recall that it was Tennessee Tech or somewhere that had offered him like the dobo spot, and he just couldn't see his way clear because he'd already had a – working with a businessman in Tennessee named Thunder Thornton, and he'd already had a pretty good opportunity there. And I think he made the right decision, but yet he's been able to stay around the game. And I, I, I don't think it'll be much longer before he graduates from SEC Network to being on the ESPN and, and the Deuce – on the regular because he's really good at what he does.
0: And, uh, and another guy who you know, I, in fact, I think he may have even been a teammate of of Danes or, or close to it anyway, is Ron Slay. Who, Ron Slay, uh, he's from yeah. right here in Nashville. He's a great guy. He's super funny, he's and funny. and he's he's getting a shot on the SEC network now. He's been doing some studio stuff, and last night uh, he did a game with Tom Hart. Uh, he did that um, Auburn and, and Texas A and M game. So I'm happy for Ron. Uh, I know him a little, uh, but I always thought when he played for Tennessee, that he was one of the most entertaining characters in the sec. I remember no one, doubt. one year they were playing and it was the sec tournament was at what's now Bridgestone arena. And uh, I was sitting in the little media section up behind the baseline and Tennessee was playing Ole miss. And I think Florida was playing the next game. So there's all these Florida kids piled in right behind the basket, getting ready for their game. And so they line up for free throws. And this was toward the end of the game and Slay's kind of down on that low block closest to the basket and uh this kid from florida yells go home slay and 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 ron slay turns around and looks at the kid goes i am home and uh, he said i'm, here, I'm from nashville <laughs> so uh I, I that that exchange to me was always i thought super funny and i asked him about it one time and he totally remembered so yeah happy for ron and Ed. he does a good job and he's he's just an entertaining guy he, so uh, the, the the headband is doing well i'm happy for him
1: yeah he, i covered his whole career and he was one of the most quotable guys and the most entertaining guys. And was he not SEC player of the year one I believe one he was. Year, uh-huh. it, it, it seems like he was. He could play too. And, uh, you know, he's he's gotten a following on on uh, a, a station that shall re- remain nameless yes. in Nashville. Uh, and then they've given him a shot on the SEC network. And when I first turned it on last night, I thought, that sounds a little bit like Chuck you know charles barkley Uh and then i had to stop and i thought that's ron slay and man he he's just as funny on there he'd say anything and you know uh he said man i hope you all have me back Uh, this was a lot of fun (laughs) and i think they will oh i think they will too never a dull moment and you know he knows the game pretty well too
0: well, Chris, uh, always a lot of fun to do our podcast. We'll catch up with you again next week. We'll recap the uh, SEC and Big 12 Challenge and look ahead as we uh, start to t- flip the calendar over to February. And uh, it feels like the the conference plays just zooming right past. But, man, always a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I enjoy it. I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm going to the Texas-Tennessee uh, at Tennessee game, so I'll have the full report for you when, when we get back on here.
0: Sounds like a plan. He's Chris Dortch. I'm Kevin Ingram. That is the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast. We'll talk to you next time.